0: Hello and welcome to this edition of Travel Stories from the Back a Again Gone Podcast, being recorded in the beautiful home office, Chateau Relaxo, Florida. Tonight's focus, how to survive Las Vegas. Thanks for listening. So this past week was an extended stay in Las Vegas, a total of five nights. Spent the first four nights at the MGM Grand, and then the last night at the Rio before punching out on an early morning Friday flight. A couple big differences between the two hotels, and not so much on the quality of anything, but just the people working there. At the MGM, I was greeted from everybody, from the guy that opened the car door of the taxi to the security folks at the elevator. Everybody was very friendly. When I got to the Rio, nobody opened the taxi door, but we did have a so-called bellhop screaming at the taxi driver because I was paying by a debit card, a credit card, and not cash, and he wasn't supposed to drop me off in front of the hotel. That was only for cash patrons. So going into the Rio, I actually had to check not only myself into the hotel, but also out the next morning. Even the directions to my room were printed out. I never once spoke to an employee. I was there probably... I don't know, I think I checked in around 1 o'clock on Thursday afternoon and left out of there about 5 o'clock in the morning. Never spoke to a single human. But now I am a member of the Caesars Palace Reward Club, so I don't know what that entitles me to. I probably checked a box or didn't uncheck a box during the check-in process. My flight out there was relatively uneventful. I did stay, stop over, had a layover in Denver, which is the first time I've ever been to that airport. And on my flight out of Denver into Vegas, there was a group of about 75 hardcore gamblers. They all had matching chartreuse embroidered shirts. And about 15 or 20 of them managed to get on the people mover and recreate some kind of a rowing scene from one of the Olympics or one of the uh, sports movies in the past. I'll post a video, and you can see a, a gentleman walking alongside trying to get to his plane not at all impressed by the antics of these uh, over 50-year-olds at the airport my trip back out friday from vegas to orlando was supposed to have been a nonstop leaving vegas somewhere around 8:30 friday morning and touching down here in orlando a little bit after 4 well this was the week that they had such terrible storms i think they started on Wednesday in Texas, Thursday they kind of rolled through uh, Louisiana, and then, of course by Friday they were just hovering across the whole state of Florida. So we took off out of, of uh, Las Vegas. About an hour into the flight, the captain comes on and says, "It looks like uh, they're going to be shutting down the Orlando airport. That looks like they're gonna, we're going to be diverted." He didn't know where, so I immediately pulled out the FlightAware app, put in my flight number and discovered that we were going to be touching down in New Orleans. And sure enough, about 20 minutes later, the captain came back onto the PA system and told us the exact same thing. So we ended up landing in New Orleans somewhere around 2.30 in the afternoon, got off the plane, which is never a good sign. As soon as they take everybody off the plane, you're in for the long haul. And I noticed the placard at the gate had said we were taking off at 3.30, and I looked at the FlightAware app, Again, and it said we weren't landing in Orlando until 7, so I knew that that was not going to happen. And so what had actually happened was that during the, uh, that afternoon, they had canceled several of the New Orleans Orlando flights. And so we had several, probably about 30 or 40 open seats on our flight, and they decided to board some of those stranded passengers, for lack of a better term, on our flight. So somewhere around, I guess, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, they call for us to to begin boarding. And, of course, there is just a bum rush of people for the gate. The gate agent quickly got overwhelmed and said, look, this is not going to work. I mean, she was just, there was probably 10 people deep and about 10 people wide just clamoring to get back on that plane. So she asked how many people still had their original boarding passes from the flight out of Vegas. Most everybody did. And she said, look, we're just going to kind of save us some time and go back to the standard Group A, Group B, Group C boarding. And then those that were from the other flights were just going to get seated last. We had plenty of seats. And so that worked out really pretty well. Got on the plane somewhere. I would say we were boarded by, I don't know, 5.30 or so, maybe maybe quarter after five. And so we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, the, uh, the gate angels, about three or four of them, come on the plane and they're now going passenger by passenger checking ID. And so I actually tweeted to Southwest Air. And Southwest usually does a, a pretty good job of being responsive. Whoever monitors their social media accounts does tend to, to want to play a little bit and have some fun. And so I kind of set out a tweet and said, you know, are we really going to check everybody's ID on this, this plane? Well, what had happened was they had let, you know, these other passengers on, but you know, they didn't have a ticket for our flight. So still about 30 minutes later, they were going passenger by passenger. And what had really happened was that there was no record of our flight. You know, we were scheduled to go direct from Vegas back into Orlando. Well, we had stopped in New Orleans, but there was no way in the computer that they could put these additional people on our flight. And that's what was actually was causing the problem that would not release our paperwork so that we could take off. So somewhere about, I don't know, almost 7 o'clock, New orleans time they got it all kind of squared away and i don't think we made up a little bit of time but i don't think we landed in orlando till probably 9 or nine thirty that night now when it comes to vegas i've been traveling here for business probably the better part of 15 years and whether it's you're coming out here for business or pleasure vegas can be a grind i'm not much of a gambler uh, my friends tell me that i tend to play with scared money and that's why I always end up losing or barely breaking even. I don't I don't ever have any of the big takedowns that that you hear about. Vegas has earned the nickname Sin City, and there's a reason for it. I mean cannabis is now legal, and so we were headed down the strip. I think it was Sunday afternoon. And there was a guy in front of us that <laughs> that him and his buddy were pulling on probably the biggest blunt I've ever seen. You know, I'm mid-50s. I'm looking around and most of the other people are my age. We're all just kind of in total bewilderment because we all recognize that smell. And it's just pretty much displayed out in the open. I don't think the the police, with it being legal out there, spend a lot of time, you know, hoofing down people on the sidewalk that, that want to get high and walk around. And booze is the same way. Booze is completely legal. Uh, you can take your drinks wherever you go. It's kind of like New Orleans, same way. I think Key West is very similar to that. So just be aware if you're walking around with your teenage kids, and they suddenly start smiling, or if mom and dad start getting a contact high, there's a reason for it. A couple things about Vegas is it is solely designed to separate you from your money. There is a whole psychology behind it. You know, when you go into uh, to Vegas, I, I really think that not only is it Sin City, it may be the mirror capital of the world. You've never seen so many mirrors. Your hotel room is going to have the walls lined with them. The casino is going to be filled with mirrors and flashing neon lights. And you know what? That's all to confuse you and, and to make it tougher and tougher to get out of that casino because as soon as you uh, you walk out of that casino, their income stream is uh, dwindling very, very quickly. You'll also notice that ele- elevator buttons don't say lobby. They say casino. No, no matter where you go on a property, you're more than likely going to be going through the casino to get there. The restaurants are on the other side of the casino. Any of the events are on the other side of the casino, when you check in, when you check out, going to the elevators, you're going to be going through a casino. I mean, it's all done very, very psychologically. Some of the things that most of your hotel rooms will lack is a clock. They don't want you knowing having any idea what time it is. More than likely, you're on a different time zone anyway. So they don't want you knowing that, hey, your internal clock may be saying it's, you know, three in the morning, but Vegas time, it's still midnight. Your room is not going to have a coffee pot. They're not going to generate any revenue by you sitting in your hotel room having a nice leisurely cup of coffee in the morning. And more than likely, your room won't have a fridge. You could Of course, you can rent one. But those three things you're going to notice are, are basically going to be barren of your room. And the reason is they really don't generate any revenue for the casino. One thing that the hotels and the casinos do not lack is pretty women. They are going to be everywhere. And they're also focused on more than likely separating you from your, your money. You know, there's, there's the reason that some random woman starts talking to you is because they immediately know that you're from out of town. You may have one of those fancy lanyards on from the convention. Do yourself a favor. Don't wear that through the casino. It's like a giant bulletin border sign that says, hey, I'm from out of town. And I don't really think that these women care. Uh, they'll come up and talk to you if you're with your girlfriend or your wife. You know, I mean, they really don't care. More than likely, your hotel will have a mini bar. And it is a very sophisticated mini bar. There's sensors on what's inside the fridge as well as what's on top. There'll be signs telling you not to pick up anything if you don't have intentions to buy it. Don't remove anything with plans of replacing it with your own can of Heineken beer. You know, as interesting as the Dr. Sex Kitten box of fun looks don't pick it up to see what the contents are just leave it alone you can't put your own stuff in the in the fridge i mean you can for a fee but the markup on that stuff is probably 80 to 90 percent you know I, I got stuck on the last day there i actually had to buy a tube of 11 dollar toothpaste <laughs> when i got to the room i really had hoped that it was going to be filled with gold toothpaste but it wasn't it was uh, just your typical crest plaque buster 2000 toothpaste Food can also be crazy expensive. I paid $24 for two pieces of pizza at the MGM Grand and a soda. You know, if you're near the Strip, there's a CVS and a Walgreens just past New York, New York. Great place to stock up on a lot of those late-night night munchies. When I'm there, most of the meals I have are served convention-style. You know, there's there's some kind of a meal plan. But outside of the event space, the food is really good. It's just expensive. But there is a food court on the Strip that has your typicals, Nathan's Hot Dog, Subway, Panda Express, and the, the prices are, are really actually pretty reasonable. I think I had lunch there one day for about $11. So if you head down and stock up at the CVS on your munchies and beer, grab yourself your laundry bag on the way out, fill it with ice, it holds a heck of a lot more ice than that stupid little ice bucket they put in your room, throw the beers and the ice in your sink, Uh, You can have a makeshift cooler for the evening. If you need a little bit more kick than beer, there's an ABC store right next to the Walgreens on the strip. It's a heck of a lot cheaper to pregame in your room just before going down to the casino than it is to start drinking on the floor. Don't be that guy that shows up with the case of Jack Daniels. If they find out, they will slap a corking fee on you, which basically ends up bringing up the cost of the booze to what it would cost to drink in the actual hotel. The other thing that you'll notice in Vegas is that distances are very deceiving. For instance, the MGM Grand is a little over six and a half acres, 380,000 square feet, and somewhere on the north side of 6,500 hotel rooms. You know, you look down the Strip, and everything looks like it's relatively close because, well, the buildings are close to each other, but these buildings are huge. So if you're going to spend a little bit of time, you know, walking the Strip, do yourself a favor, take a hat, some sunscreen, some sunglasses. The other thing to watch out for is resort fees Uh, my room at the Rio was a hundred bucks not bad for a room but there was a $30 resort fee I was there possibly 18 hours maybe so 30 bucks that was some pretty expensive internet so some of the tips that I put together over the years is hydrate 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 buy your own water bottle fill it up with the water fountains but Vegas is very, very dry. It's also the only place that I actually use ChapStick once a year. Between the, the, the water and the ChapStick, it, it does tend to help you from drying out a little bit. You know, do yourself a favor, pack some snacks so that you don't have to run to the CVS or the Walgreens. For me, when it comes to jet lag, I stay on the Eastern time zone. It can be brutal. It means I'm getting up at 3 or 4 in the morning and going to bed at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, but for me, it just works out a heck of a lot better. If you're there for a convention and you plan on drinking and it's an open bar, do yourself a favor and pace yourself. You know, more than likely you're going to be on a different time zone. Your body's going to, internal clock is going to be completely different. You're going to be hydrated and alcohol hydrates you even more. So just be cautious of that. Bring cash with you. The ATMs charge anywhere from seven to eight dollars for a transaction. Uh, and plus you're going to be giving tips to everybody. I mean, from, bellhops to doormen to uh, waiters to bartenders it's definitely a very cash intensive uh, place casinos are cold if you tend to be very cold natured pack a jacket if it's your first trip to Vegas let your bank know if you're used to uh, traveling around the Orlando area and then suddenly you show up with a transaction out in Vegas More than likely, your bank, if they don't know that that's part of your routine or that you're going there, they're going to shut your card off immediately. Take a few minutes and join all the reward clubs there are. There's tons of them, from Caesars to M-Life. You don't know what you're going to get, but it only takes a few minutes to sign up for them. You'll get a whole bunch of uh, emails, of course, and you can filter those through and get rid of them later on. You know, it may save you a few bucks or entitle you to a couple upgrades while you're out there. If you're into social media, use those hashtags. You know, those. a lot of those casinos and hotels follow those. Again, you never know, you might get an upgrade, you might get a couple free drinks. One thing that I did not know till this year was that you can't hail a cab on the street. So the only place that you can really get a cab is at the hotels or casinos. And the other thing is verify your check-in time. Most hotels won't let you check in before 3 or 4 o'clock. In the case of the Rio, I checked in at about 1 o'clock and ended up paying an extra 20 bucks for the three-hour early check-in time. You know, Vegas isn't completely about money. There's plenty of free stuff to do there. You know, Caesars offers a free live statue show. They have a probably a 50,000-gallon aquarium. The Bellagio, of course, has their fountain show that goes off about every half hour. Circus Circus has trapeze and a high-wire act. The Flamingo has a flamingo habitat. Duh. <laughs> the Golden Nugget also has an aquarium. The MGM Grand has a lion exhibit. Never saw it the four days that I was there, but I kept hearing about it. The Mirage has a volcano that goes off about every hour. The Rio offers a masquerade aerial show. And the Venetian is worth walking through just to see the the sights of it. The Venetian is just a gorgeous, gorgeous property. There you have it. I hope that helps you to survive Las Vegas. Have a great day. Safe travels. And thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.